You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, hooligans, hooting for hoopla and hootin' nanny. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 57, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your joyful, jumping, jabbering jesters. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. All right, time for our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hotshot. And here I have a couple of, actually, random Trivial Pursuit cards. two? Yeah, which one should I pick? Uh, oh, no. Left or right? Left. Left. Right. Blue Wedge for Geography, and you guys have your barnyard buzzers. Name two of the three nations that make up the Baltic states. Oh. oh that was my question. Purple. No. Oh, sorry. Oh, got it. Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab. Uh, Estonia. Correct. Uh, Latvia. Ding, 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 ding. All right. Nice. And then is the third one, is it Lithuania? Correct. Right. Wow, look Good at that. Job. Okay. Well, unfortunately, it only asked for two, so you're wrong. <laughs> so you lost all your points. Yep, that's right. <laughs> you're the flew, loser flew now. Flew too close to the trivia sun. <laughs> Pink wedge for pop culture. What X-Men star was named Sexiest Man Alive by People Magazine in 2008? Uh, Dana. Hugh Jackman? Yes, Hugh Jackman. Ian McKellen. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick Stewart. Ian McKellen Uh, could win Sexiest Man Alive. I don't doubt that. Yeah. 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 Yellow Wedge. In the late 17th century, scientists Isaac Newton and Gottfried Leibniz, Leibniz uh, each claimed to have created what branch of mathematics? Uh, I believe they both claimed the calculus was there. The calculus? Yes, calculus. Eventually, <laughs> yeah. both were given independent credit for its creation. Oh. Purple Wedge. What 18th century Austrian composer started writing music at five years old? Full name. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Yes. Well done. Very good. Green Wedge for science. Which animal is not also called a panther? It's multiple choice. Oh. Cheetah, cougar, jaguar, or leopard? Cheetah. Yes, cheetah. A cheetah is just a cheetah. Uh, The name panther is used for the cougar in North America, jaguar in South America, and leopard in Africa and Asia. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought panther was like its own thing. All right, last question. Orange Wedge, what is a fixie unable to do that other bicycles can? (laughs) Uh, Change gears. Yes. <laughs> Instead of okay. long a answer. Fixie has a single gear. It's a single it, gear bike. Like a fixed gear it, bicycle. Yeah, right. It cannot coast. Oh, oh that's oh. true, because they have the back brakes, right, as well. Does, okay. I don't oh. know bikes. I don't. Mm. So the single fixed gear makes the pedals turn with the wheel. Right. So they can't coast. Oh, right. sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. It's like right, direct right, right. drive. Hmm. I'll give myself partial credit. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Good, good job, right. Colin. <laughs> oh, good job, everybody. And this week, this is your suggestion, Chris. It this was? This week's topic. Yeah, I think so. Oh, great. You're like, I want to talk about fake things. Fake things. Well, yeah. we went to, um, when we were in Paris a couple of years ago, we went to La Musée de la Contrefaçon, the Museum of Counterfeits. <laughs> Whoa. Yes. Is and it just it was, money? No, it's not just money. It was like counterfeit money, counterfeit Louis Vuitton bags, counterfeit uh, uh, makeup, counterfeit toothpaste, counterfeit video games, counterfeit cars. Like just If you anything, can fake it, they got it. If you can it. fake it, they have it. It was really 
really fascinating. And so I've always had kind of a fascination with like counterfeiting and fakery and things of that nature. So, so this week we're going to talk about fakes, forgeries, mimics, and imposters. Fakes, the, the final, final frontier. frontier. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> it took us three hours to rehearse. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. It was like in stereo. They're sitting uh, on both sides. That, that was the best take. <laughs> mm. uh, so I mean, fakes can mean any kind of things, but really they all revolve around deception. Counterfeit is fake currency for the purposes of making yourself rich. One of the kind of fakes that really interests me is uh, decoys, decoy Whoa. fakes. You know, and decoys have really been on my mind a lot because I just read an article uh, not too long ago about the discovery of a new species of spider. Have you guys? read about this yes. the decoy spider yes this is so great we, so, we actually linked it out on our good job brain twitter oh that's right it's, we had some cool spider it's stuff so scary it is it's great so what this spider does um they just discovered it and what this spider does is make a fake decoy spider that it leaves in the web to fool predators. So, you know, birds or wasps in particular that will attack this spider. And so the thing is great. So it uses like little bits of like bark or twigs and mm. some of its own oh webbing God. and just whatever debris it can get. And it constructs a decoy that's three or four times its natural size. And then it kind of just hides out of the way. And the photos of it are incredible. You look at these pictures, you're like, I can't believe a spider made that. It's got, you know, kind of a rough body and little There goes legs. humanity. There goes humanity. Yeah. Spiders are making what decoys do now. Yeah. What yeah. does it do once the bird gets there? They say that the spiders that make these decoys have a higher rate of survival. So it's, sure. I don't know if you can answer the well, why. Well, yeah, okay. It so doesn't if, eat the bird or Okay, anything. yeah, so let's it say, doesn't Let's eat say bird. a bird is going to fly at your spider web and try to eat you. Like, okay, maybe the bird flies at the decoy and tries to eat the decoy, but maybe that gives you just enough time to get away. Right, well, you know? so I should also emphasize that they say that one of its main predators are a wasp. Oh, so okay. I don't know that it, like, flies away with it. It's, you know, it'll attack the decoy and then maybe the go on might, its way. Right. Or, or get caught in the, in the spider web. <laughs> right, that's yeah. true. So, so I think a smart decoy spider would become a booby trap decoy spider and, and like, construct an yeah. additional booby trap behind the web to trap the bird right. taint the spider the fake spider and oh, then when the bird eats or, it uh, yeah. stupid <laughs> yeah. spiders man we should be spiders mm -hmm. in We're 10 so years good. they're going to discover a new species that all right well it. i'm going yeah. to restore your guys faith in humanity a little bit here okay. because right. this was really sort of a, just a, a intro to what i wanted to talk about which is human-made decoys oh uh, the military has just a great incredibly interesting history of using decoys uh, I had always heard about these growing up, but I didn't realize how extensive the use of decoys was. So one of my favorite uses of decoys is fake tanks, okay? And this was a big thing, partly in World War I, but really taking off in World War II. The Soviets and the Germans in particular, the British became really adept at this. And part of it makes a lot of sense. Like, a real tank is expensive, slow to move around, and if it gets blown up, it's a huge investment down yep. the tube. So making decoy tanks does two things. You can put up a field with tanks literally made out of wood and painted canvas. So from a distance, if you have an enemy scout, you know, it looks like, oh, they've got a lot more forces there. One of the other real uses of the decoy tanks was for aerial bombardment. You know, that if you're oh. flying over, again, you're you're in the, the bomber view window of an airplane at many thousands of feet. If you see things that look 
approximately like tanks, you'll drop your playadel in there, and you've now thrown the enemy off your trail. The Soviets were really considered to kind of be the masters of this. They would go so far as to build little skeleton skins that they could pop on jeeps, because jeeps are cheaper. So, you know, you pop the fake tank skin on, so you could actually drive it around, so it gives the appearance of being able to move these tanks around. That tank is going 60 miles per hour. (laughs) (laughs) It became such an important part of warfare and the deception that there were whole divisions of the armies given to just making decoys. And again, you know, the Soviets just, they would have decoys of everything. Fake missiles, fake missile launchers, fake Mm -hmm. tanks, fake ships. There were inflatable tanks that are just what you sound like. It's, you know, you look up close, you'd be like, nobody would fool by this. But that's the point. You don't need to be fooled up close. The the American troops uh, during the invasion of Normandy, uh, they credit a big part of the success is that leading up to the invasion, they had large masses of fake vehicles in various invasion points. Hmm. And the idea was to fool the Germans into thinking, oh, they're going to attack here because this is where all the vehicles are massing. And in fact, it draws attention away from where you have your real vehicles stored up. I sort of thought that this was something that would have gone out with World War II. I'm like, all right, well, you get high enough technology. This isn't really going to fool anybody. But no, of course not. It makes sense. The decoy technology keeps up with the enemy technology. Of course. The U.S. military, we have the M1 Abrams tank, you know, just a staple of the U.S. military. And, you know, these things are millions and millions of dollars. Mm. They develop... M1 tank decoys that only cost a few thousand dollars and part of the project is you can fit an M1 tank decoy into a duffel bag. They are oh! proud of this. So it collapses. It mm-hmm. folds up. You it's can, like a tent. Yes, it's exactly. It's like a little tent. So you, you know, you bring out your little fake tank decoy, pop it up, unfold it. It can be done by just a couple people out in the field. They get so advanced that some of these tank decoys can even give off fake heat signatures. So if you're in an enemy aircraft above, you'll get fake heat signatures coming off of them. They have audio recordings if they even would need to simulate the sound of a tank fleet moving around. Wow. Uh, And this is just tanks. They're also fake planes, too. And again, you know, from a cost-benefit analysis... Okay, well, if I can make a fake plane, you know, for thousands of dollars and it gets blown up, big deal. <laughs> Versus yep. a real plane that costs $30 million and getting blown up. As we get closer and closer to current day, it's harder and harder to find details about what kind of decoys the government oh, sure. actually has. Yep. So yeah, what I'm describing to you, some of this information is over 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine just how much more advanced it's gotten in the last 20 years. Oh, hologram. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, it's... <laughs> you, 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 I, you, I, you're yeah, only half be. joking. You're yeah. only half yep. joking. It might be. Yeah. It might be. Um, so again, it's, you know, next time you're out on a bombing run trying to bomb some tanks, take oh. a minute, make sure that they're real tanks before you drop your bombs on All right. them. Thank you. That's good advice. Good <laughs> <tip. Yep. laughs> That's news you can use. One of my favorite things to do when I'm on an airplane is to browse through Sky Mall, oh, which yes. is the catalog oh, yeah. of weird of stuff. Oh, yeah. And they always sell the fake person decoy that you can buy. Like, it's like a life-size fake yeah. person. Oh, oh right, yeah, like the ones yeah. that you put in your car? Yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So you can go in the carpool lane? Or you can put it in your house, so you can do, like, a Home Alone thing where it looks mm-hmm. like there's people in your house. Oh, yeah, okay, sure. I, I wish I could meet someone who bought one of those things. You know, I want to know <laughs> what's it like. Yeah, I want your, yeah, your use story of yeah, this fake exactly. <laughs> this fake person. Yeah. I remember when actually Chris suggested the topic, I was like, oh, yes, finally I can talk about this one cool thing. <laughs> but then I also have a very deep fear of it. Uh-huh. So what I suffer is 
Motophobia. Motophobia is fear of moths. Oh. I don't like moths. Um, I, I'm fine with butterflies. Something oh, moths. about moths oh, okay. mm. freak me out. They're furry and they're fuzzy and they look creepy and they flap. Sure. It's almost they like... They just go for it. Yeah. They're, they're aggressive flyers. <laughs> they are. <laughs> but for this segment, I put on my big boy pants and I decided to <laughs> research this. So there's a moth and moths are usually nocturnal. But this type of moth... They sometimes fly during the day or at around sundown, and they're called the hummingbird moth. So they're called hummingbird moths because they look like hummingbirds. What? They're huge. They're big. So they're they're a little bit smaller than hummingbirds, but they're they're pretty meaty. (laughs) They're fat and they're plump and they're fuzzy. So it kind of looks okay. like feathers. Though mm. the way they fly actually almost looks exactly like how a hummingbird like they, would fly. They oh. flit. They, yes, they flit. They can hover. They Whoa. can fly vertically, uh, horizontally. It doesn't have a beak, but it does have the proboscis, ah. which is mm-hmm. the the curly thing like a tongue that they use to extend and and drink nectar from oh, sure, flowers, sure. like a, mm-hmm. like butterflies. So the proboscis is actually really long, and you, you can see it, and it almost looks like a beak. Huh. Huh. And it makes an audible humming noise. What? This huh. moth, this insect. If you didn't know, you would think you're looking at a hummingbird. What Except, color? Uh, they're like brown. Okay, like mothy color. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the only thing that quickly gives it away is probably their their antennas. But they're moving so fast that you can't see the antennas at all, or huh. you think they're feathers. Even though I have a fear of moths, this is amazing. Where are they found? They're found in your nightmares. <laughs> really? They sound cool. They are. They kind of they're, cool. they're kind of cute too and surprising that i would say that they're found mostly in warmer areas in europe and in asia here's the other thing if we're talking about mimicry or biomimicry the eggs that they lay they're glossy and they're pale green they're said to look like flower buds of the host plant that they hang out around Uh, so like natural camouflage Mm -hmm. crafty little bugs Mm -hmm. I have a quiz. Okay, Oprah. <laughs> you get a quiz. And, and you, you get, get a, a quiz. quiz. Well, if we're talking about fakes, let's talk about one of my favorite things. Fake bands. Ah. Bands. Yes. Fake, fake bands. bands. Bands from movies. Bands from okay. TV. Okay. 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 Sometimes sometimes as good as um, or slightly better than real bands. Um, sometimes often mistaken for real bands. It is a, it is a straight up quiz. I will quiz you and right. ask you a question and you will tell all me. Right. These are all themed around fake bands. Okay. 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 All right. I think I know one. Okay. All right. The members of this fake band were actually later in another fake band called the Folksmen. Karen. Uh-huh. Spinal Tap. Spinal yeah. Tap. Yes. yes, yes. The the members of Spinal Tap uh, were then in the movie A Mighty Wind. A long time ago, my brother, like, asking me, like, wait, no, Spinal Tap's a real band, aren't they? Spinal Tap really did cross over to the point that a lot of people do think that they are an a actual real band. Yeah. Yeah. They go on tour um, sometimes. Yeah. They do. Well, yes, yeah. the, the members, uh, Harry Shearer, Michael McKean, and, uh, oh, um, uh, Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest, of course. Christopher yeah. Guest. Do go on tour, and Karen and I saw them on tour. They're as close to, yeah, uh... but they might be real now it's it, yeah. it they yeah. really blur the line don't they yeah. um okay so how about this this fake band from the tv show full house was fronted by john stamos's character oh oh what? oh jesse and the uh 
coasters and the something. No. No. I'm not going to be able to retrieve it. Oh. I don't know. You'll know when you hear it. It's Jesse and the Rippers. Yes. Ah. yes. Jesse and the Rippers became big in Japan when they covered the Beach Boys hit forever. Because, yeah. of course, they did. They also yes. did Kokomo. I remember that episode. Well, that was, John, that was well, with the Beach John Boys. John Stamos yeah. actually um, would play in Beach Boys concerts with them sometimes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a talented yeah, yeah, musician. Yeah. That's true. Wow. Mm-hmm. Here's another one you probably read or heard about and may not be able to recall, but we'll see. Referenced obliquely in the books, this fake band played in one of the films of this mega hit franchise with a song called Do the Hippogriff. Oh. Karen. Uh is it the Weird Sisters? It is yeah, the yeah. Weird Sisters in I the Harry Potter franchise. Is the is the band that they're all fans and of, and they're in movie four. They're in movie at the four. Yuletide Ball. At, yes, indeed, at the Yule <laughs> Ball they play their their hit song, "Do the Hippogriff." <laughs> Did not take place in the books. The only two members of this fake band who really sang on the albums were Shirley Jones and David Cassidy. <laughs> Sounds like Colin. That is the Partridge family. That is the Partridge family. Yes, yes. Definitely a fake band. (laughs) Yeah. The plot of this movie sees the main characters travel to a future in which their band, Wild Stallions, are worshipped. Let's go with Dana. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. No. What? (gasps) Oh, wait. To the future. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Okay. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yes. (laughs) The lead singer of this fake band appeared on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon in 2009 to play the band's signature song, Friends Forever. It was from a popular uh, television show, those popular Muppets? kids in the 1990s. Was it from one of the Nickelodeon? So the actor uh, who appeared on Jimmy Fallon to play the song was Mark Paul Gosseler. What's the name of the band? Oh, I, oh wow. so, from Saved by the Bell. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea. Wow, Snack Attack. I don't know. Oh, it's it's Zach Attack. Zach Attack, Zach Attack, Zach Attack is the name of the band. That's great. Well done. Close. Friends forever. Um, wow. Much like the Beatles, this fake band reunited on a rooftop for one final performance of their hit "Baby on Board." Oh, Colin, that is the B Sharp. The B yeah. Sharp from yes. The Simpsons. <laughs> All right. Fake bandception. This fake band was forced to play an even faker band at a film shoot. The even faker band they were forced to play was called Cap'n Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Whoa. So it's a fake band. Yes, a fake band from a movie. And at one point in the movie, they were forced to play the band Cap'n Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Oh, man. Familiar. They're a very, very famous uh, fake band of all the of all the fake bands. This is a big one. The movie is that thing you do. Uh, what is the name of the band? The Wonders. The Wonders. Uh. Yes. This fake band was assembled for a '70s television show, then became a real band. Uh, well. It's the monkeys. The monkeys. Yeah. Okay. Yes. The only thing I doubted, I wasn't sure if it was sixties or seventies. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the monkeys originally were not hired to like play their own. Inst- they were musicians, but they weren't really hired to like be an actual band. And then eventually, they kind of like got creative control of the the, the music, and they did go out on tour, yeah. playing their own instruments as a real band. But they were assembled as a fake band. This fake band was fronted by record producer Jerrica Benton. Oh. <laughs> Dana. Jim and the Holograms. That is yes. correct. <laughs> oh. 
Um, and finally, it's not George Clooney singing in this fake band, but it's bluegrass singer Dan Tyminski. Karen. The Soggy Bottom Boys. The Soggy yeah. Bottom Boys. From Oh Brother, We're Out There. A, wow, that's tricky. Had a big hit with Man of Constant Sorrow, with, yeah. uh, which Fantastic. none of the Soggy song. Bottom yeah. Boys actually played. <laughs> uh, and that's the fake band. That's great. Oh, that was good. Oh, that was hard, too. So we're talking about fake Cindy Coys and bluffs. And so I'm going to tell you a, a crazy pants story I found about this guy who faked his own death. Oh, oh. I love these. I yeah. love these. So the person is Lord Timothy Dexter, and he was born in Massachusetts in 1748. Whoa, that long ago. Yeah. And he was like kind of a self-made man. He was poor, but he was an author and he was a go-getter. And he wrote a book and it had tons of typos and <laughs> I mean typos. It had tons of punctuation and grammatical errors. So he had to give it away for free. And then it went into eight printings and he, he was kind of a jokester and um, people criticized him on the punctuation in the book. So when he reprinted it, he had a page in the back that was just full of commas and periods <laughs> so, like, punctuation marks. <laughs> like, but, so that's, what that's, a jerk that's good i like that <laughs> so make your own yeah, yeah. DIY. He, he wrote on it place it as you please <laughs> <laughs> so that's who we're dealing with that's the guy that the story revolves around so he did the oldest the oldest trick in the book it comes up on sitcoms it comes up in movies it's so corny now but maybe he invented it he wanted to know what people thought of him, so he oh, faked his own death. No, and this is the 1700s. So it's yeah. not to like yeah. escape. I mean, you're oh, really in a jam. He just wanted to hear what people say about him when he's out of the room. Yeah. So he faked his own death. He three thousand people came to his funeral. <gasps> Now, what did and he do? How did he fake his own death? He just told people that he died. Like, for us, for <laughs> not not believe him. <laughs> like, he just Hey, so like, I died. Oh. He, he was a self-styled lord, so he was like, Lord Timothy Dexter died. Oh, you know? He sent no. out, like, his own fake announcements, yeah, basically. Yeah, he did. And he tried to get as many people as he could to go to his funeral. 3,000 people showed up. <laughs> Huge. And then his wife was there, and she wasn't crying as hard as he thought she should be crying. Oh, oh he didn't tell his wife. No. Oh, oh my God. God. He wanted to know what she thought. Wow. Yeah, he was a piece of work. You're setting so. yourself up there for some really potentially embarrassing, hurtful things. Yeah. She wasn't really reacting the way he thought she should react when such a great person died. <laughs> So he came out and he beat her at the funeral. This is insane. I imagine him like hiding in the back dressed like a little old lady or something <laughs> and then just ripping off a wig and I shouldn't Psych. joke about it, but I mean it's he's attacking his wife at his own funeral. <laughs> I wish there were more first person accounts, but it was just like this wow. guy was crazy. <laughs> And, and you're right, it is. I have I have absolutely seen that plot on sitcoms. Yeah, it's such and, a yeah, trope. Oh, yeah. And I was like, was he the first? Well, I just, you know, it's just such a simpler time. It was so much easier to fake your death back then. Yeah, right, exactly. You could just yeah. send out an announcement, oh, he's dead. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. 
Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. And we're back. You're listening to Good Job Brain. And this week we're talking about fakes, forgeries, mimicry, imposters, lies, and other <laughs> bad stuff. Other uh, forms of deception. Yeah. yeah. Tricksy, yeah. Tricksy, Tricksy business. Yeah. So clearly we should talk about counterfeit money, right? Yes. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. People have been counterfeiting money since there was money. Clearly. Like you see money and you're like, gee, well, I mean, if somebody's going to give me <laughs> yeah. like a bushel of rice for this tiny little piece of copper, like what if I were to make a fake one? Then I could get many bushels of rice. The motivation is just yeah. uh, readily apparent. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to think too hard. I want more <laughs> right? of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and this is why counterfeiting is, of course, done by some of the most brilliant criminals, you know, making like incredible money that is just extraordinary. And then the absolute stupidest people <laughs> in the world who literally Extremes. think right. it is a smart idea to like print a five dollar bill on their inkjet printer <laughs> and like tape the sides together and try to pass it off <laughs> to counterfeit in the olden days would carry the death penalty Whoa. um because it if you think about it it's not just like oh i stole this five dollar item from this guy because he made a fake five dollar bill like if you are counterfeiting and you are pumping a lot of fake money into the system, you can ruin a country with counterfeit money. It can be an incredible danger to the actual stability of that nation if there's too much counterfeit money because it totally devalues the currency, the real currency of that nation, and you you can make them broke. Great Britain tried this on America during the Revolutionary War. Really? They counterfeited American <gasps> currency huh. and tried to get that counterfeit American currency into the country mm. to destabilize our currency and devalue it. That is it. so smart. Yeah. That's devious. Um, That's devious. The Nazis were going to try this against the Allies. They actually had mm. Jews in concentration camps printing <gasps> uh, counterfeit, like millions of counterfeit British pounds that they were going to try to inject into the into Great Britain to wow. weaken them. Wow. Yeah. Money used to be the value of the metal in the coin. That's true. Right? People used to do is called clipping. They would take coins and they'd shave the silver or the gold around the edges right, right. and then they would get as much of those shavings as they could and then melt those into new A coins new coin. and that they right, they'd right. kill you for that i mean that they, they'd draw and quarter you for that if they caught you doing that too <sighs> benjamin franklin made some actually printed some of the first paper money in the colonies and printed on this money was to counterfeit is death. Wow. Benjamin Franklin did not mince his words. It was estimated in the United States of America that after the Civil War, anywhere from one-third to one-half of the paper currency in the United States was counterfeit. Yeah. From there where? A, there was a huge – people were just making it. Well, here's the thing, right? So as as per the, the Treasury, the Treasury has this on their website. At that time, there were approximately 1,600 state banks designing and printing their own notes each note had a different design and so there were seven thousand varieties of genuine (laughs) genuine paper currency in the united states and then there were four thousand varieties of counterfeits 
So it was really, really difficult to distinguish real from fake. And so basically what they ended up doing was in, well, in 1863, they established a national paper currency. Prior to that moment, the U.S. just had coins. And then what, what, what do you think happened? People printed stuff on paper. They started counterfeiting the national currency. Uh, and so then two years later, after the adoption of the national currency, that is when they established the... Secret Service. Secret Service, which I think was, we might have talked about on yep. the show before. Yep. The Secret yep. Service was originally established to prevent counterfeiting. Outside the U.S., the most counterfeited bill is the $100 bill. That's the one that's the most in circulation everywhere. But mm-hmm. in fact, uh, apparently inside the U.S., the most counterfeited bill is the 20 hmm. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. I mean, it's easier it? just to pass 20s in general. It is. And yeah. so what you do is you make a whole bunch of 20s, and then you just go store by store buying a pack of gum for $20. Because, again, people aren't going to look at it. If they get a 50 they're going to get up a counterfeit pen, and they're going to be really scrutinizing it. But the 20 you just go around passing bad 20s, and you... You get $19 and change back for every one of them. And it's a small-time criminal operation. There's also, and I think that this is tremendous, that they actually have to tell people and more people about this, but there's something called raised notes. And what these are, people will take a dollar bill and they'll take a $10 bill and they'll cut the corners (laughs) off of the $10 bill, a real $10 bill, and they will... Tape them or glue them onto a $1 bill. Now, if you have more than 50% of a U.S. bill, that's still legal tender. So a bill with the corners cut off, you can take it to the bank. But then they'll know what you did. Well, yeah. um, (laughs) Unless they don't, you know, unless you rip it in half or try to disguise it somehow. But, like, uh, on the Treasury, you can see, you know, a $1 bill with George Washington on it that somebody taped the tens on the corners to. (laughs) That's great. And people will take these things because they're just not looking for it. Now, here's the part that you really have to worry about if you end up with a piece of fake currency you have lost the game of musical chairs it is it is the hot potato and you're stuck with it no one's going to reimburse you for it right (laughs) it is it is fake and you are out that money if someone detects it if you unknowingly bring a counterfeit to a to a store and hand it over to the cashier they're like this is counterfeit you don't you don't get it back you don't get it back they actually keep it and they're supposed to give it to the secret service and if they were to unknowingly give it back to you and now you're on notice that it's counterfeit and you go to try to spend it somewhere else now you are committing a crime because right. now you are on notice you know. you know it's counterfeit yeah there there have been instances where people get a counterfeit note from the bank and they go home and they try to spend it and they're like this is counterfeit and they take it back to the bank and the bank's just like we sorry sorry, sorry. we can't do anything oh. about this how would they know that it was them who passed it to you and that you're not trying to run a scam? Why are they yeah. giving you a dollar? Why are they doing up? it? Yeah. <laughs> also, kidding, yeah. No, it's yeah. true. It's true. It's like, shouldn't the bank have a better Knowledge? system? Yeah. For, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how do they actually make bills now? Like, I know they have really, really high tech ways, but oh, what yeah. are some of the things that well, they Well, I use? mean, the, the paper has all these right. little tiny, I mean, you've looked at a dollar bill and there's all these little fibers and things like that in it. And I mean, so uh, what they, what some people will do is they'll take an actual $5 bill and they'll bleach it. Mm-hmm. And then they'll print a $100 bill design on it. But if you hold it up to the light, you can still see the ghost of Abraham Lincoln staring out at you from the bleached $5 Whoa! bill. There's actually, they call this, I ran across this as well. They're called super dollars. 
It's this rash of counterfeit bills that the United States speculates might be made in North Korea. I hear that and, North Korea is a source of a and, lot of counterfeit. And North Korea yeah. says it's actually made by the CIA, has sort of pranked <laughs> against North Korea. Who's right? I don't know. Um, sure. They're so good. Like, the paper quality is so good and the printing quality is so good because the printing quality on these things, like, the, the etchings and the lines are really so tiny. sharp yeah, and crisp They call crisp it the micro printing. Yeah. 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 And these are typically blurred on a counterfeit, but the super dollars, they call them, are so good that the a way to tell them from regular dollars is that they're actually of higher quality than regular oh, dollars. Wow. They're over-engineered. Yeah. As you say, though, a lot of it is the paper, like the little fibers in the paper mm-hmm. or the little strips that they started embedding and the, the watermarks now to do all these things. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you talk about counterfeit detection. Like, we've all seen it. We go to the market and they've got the little pen they run across it or sometimes they'll hold it under the little UV light detector. Yeah. And these are all to look for and, signs of tampering or making fake money and, and things I'll, like that. And I'll tell you, the, the pen they say don't actually work anymore because all you have to do is use hairspray on your fake bill basically it like prevents the ink from soaking in and so when you use it when you have used hairspray on it it, it oh. doesn't show up as being <laughs> fake right yeah, right wow. so, I know. for counterfeiting you know as home printers get better and better we need to stop the guy from just printing up a five dollar bill and cutting it out and passing it to an unsuspecting merchant somewhere this is a real concern actually as home technology like printers and things started to get better and better and better and better, governments were starting to get really nervous, in fact. I mean, in the U.S. government in particular, because moving into the 80s, 90s, you can get home printers with incredibly high resolution. Mm -hmm. You can get scanners with incredibly high resolution. And so, you know, law enforcement agencies are particularly worried about criminals using this. You know, what's to stop a criminal from scanning in at incredibly high res, a $20 bill, Mm -hmm. and then printing out their own versions on a super high printer? Well, the answer is that the government works with technology companies to build in anti-counterfeiting protection in the devices that you already have. So this is sort of in your house. That's right. So we've talked. This is sort of one of those open secret kind of things where the printer companies don't deny that this is true, and in fact they boast about it because it helps. So, for example, you have you know say an HP printer. They can program the printer to recognize currency and basically refuse to scan currency. Whoa! Yes. And so they will work with the U.S. government. Again, we'll take the $20 bill as an example. But will they report me? Like through some wireless, like, <laughs> yeah, beep, 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 this person, this guy. Hold on, hold on to that okay, question okay. for a second. Hold on to that what question. What am I doing for an art project? The answer may surprise you. Don't, right. Yeah, don't that, Wi-Fi your printer. That's <laughs> a great question is, is like, well, what about fair use? Or what's to stop me from finding a high-res image of a $20 bill on the web? You know, why did it need to scan it in? All right. So one thing that, you know, scanners can be programmed to do, again, this is by the manufacturers in full cooperation with the government, um, is to not only recognize patterns of currency, but specific colors. So say, for example, we're talking about uh, the green ink that we use in American currency is mostly green on one side. They can program their scanners to recognize the exact tint of that green. So it knows whether you're scanning a reproduction of a bill or the actual bill. And if you try and print it out, they can embed a signal in that color that it prints it banded or jaggy or with noise in it, foiling you from reproducing <laughs> the exact features of bills. Now, again, I want to stress, these are common features now built into modern scanners that, mm. that they don't necessarily advertise on the box, but they are, in fact, built in. Okay, so say somehow you get an awesome high-res image of a $20 bill onto your computer. It's super, super, super detailed, and the quality could fool somebody. How do I produce it? All right. 
Maybe I've got a great printer. So now the printer companies are like, okay, how do we do this without crippling the printing ability for people for normal uses? Yeah. So are you guys familiar with the term steganography at all? You may have heard this term. It's yeah. Encrypt- it's big in the cryptography circle. Steganography is basically – it comes from hidden writing. It's like hiding hiding information in other information. Um, so they have programs that can embed documents in a photo, for example. Okay, mm-hmm. so steganography. And the same root uh, from stegosaur means like covered, covered writing. Oh. Printer steganography is the means by which your common household printers, HP, Epson, whatever it is, they will embed tracking pixels when you print things out. Virtually every major manufacturer that makes inkjet or laser printers, when they produce anything that you print, they will print a unique coded arrangement of yellow pixels that are not visible to the naked eye unless you're looking up really close or have a really high scan of it. And what this is, is a signature that can say this came from this printer with this ID oh. number that was sold and they can track it all the way back up through the chain. Oh so your question is, well, how could they find me? The way they could find you is that if it's some tracked. merchant, as Chris says, you know, if merchants get counterfeit bills, they're supposed to contact the feds. Mm-hmm. And what the feds can do is they know sort of the code book that the printer manufacturers Sorry. use and they can say, all right, it came from this exact printer with this serial number. But that's number. only if I use it. That's only if you use that printer. But again, this is major printer manufacturers are sort of, uh, let's say they they're encouraged by the government to install these features, by which I mean they are uh, more or but less told to. But my fear is still the alert. There's no beep, 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 beep. This person, using, no. they're going to GPS map me. Well, you know, certainly. Like, hey, guys, I'm just printing out for an art project. They could easily get there with the technology. Oh. Uh, and, of course, you know, there are a lot of privacy advocates who are, for, you know, for good reasons, they're really against this technology because it can be used to spy on you. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like any other technology that's ostensibly for law enforcement purposes. You could think of other ways to use it. So there are, if you go online, you can find ways to hack your printer and That's turn off thinking. and turn off the embedding tracking pixels. Yeah, I yeah. Like, you're making me want to go home and hack my printer right now. There are whole yeah. there are whole websites dedicated to telling you basically how to get if you know what you're doing how to get inside and stop your printer from sending these. Oh, things. I just wow. want to see the track. Like I actually want to experiment to see if my printer does it. If you have an off the shelf printer from any major manufacturer bought in the last decade or more, you, your printer is producing tracking pixels. Oh, that and, and decoy spiders. Oh, what and a just world. to drive the point home, the all of this is driven by trying to prevent counterfeit. Again, it's really, really potentially dangerous. It's wow. true. It's true. I just feel weird that it's doing sneaky stuff. Right, uh, right, right. right. Yeah. I have another quick news bit about imitators. For the last decade, people have been worried about the bees disappearing. Right, right. right? The, the colony uh, collapse. Yes, the colony collapse. And it's a big deal because without bees, then their main job is to pollinate crops and, and that's becoming a problem. So Harvard decided to try to find a possible solution with with the bees disappearing that maybe we can do something in meanwhile to continue their work of pollinating crops and stuff. So what they did was they invented machines that can both fly and to some extent behave like bees. Hmm. These are Little machines. Robo they don't, bees. They're called robo bees. Ro- oh, okay. They're robies. They're actually called. Ro- that was my. That was my ending segment. I'd be like, guess what they're called? Oh. They're actually called robo bees, and they're as big as probably a little bit smaller than like a like a coin. Huh. And they have bee-like wings, but the body is, like, mechanical. So in 2007, uh, this Harvard lab conducted the first successful flight 
of a robo bee. Mm. They can fly by themselves. And they even have a hive that they go to, Aww. mostly for like refueling and, and for charging. It's not like they're actual, you know, hanging out because they're, <laughs> they're machines. That would be really awesome. It's well, scary, actually. Mm. That's something they're working on is they can guide robobees from flower to flower. <laughs> they're also trying to inject algorithms and programming so that they can behave in a colony. Mm. They won't have I can't a... see any way this could go wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. Yeah. They, they won't have a queen, but the robo-bees will live in a hive and maybe in a couple of years or oh. in a decade that they will have hive mentality and colony oh, yeah. mentality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about how, oh, this is how the human race falls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And But the thing is, it's not just pollination, too. I mean, they can potentially use this for search and rescue missions after, like, a natural disaster or nuclear disaster, uh, military surveillance or mapping climates and places that, you know, it's hard to reach right, right. people. They're just they're little micro drones, basically. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. are. It's size of a coin. They can maybe monitor traffic in the future, like a whole bunch of robo-bees just flying out. And then, okay, I got this part. I got this quadrant. I got this quadrant. They fly back. And they give you the information. Man, this episode is like full of things that may, that things might wipe out Karen. the human oh, race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. Counterfeiting. Yeah. Robo uh-huh. bees. Decoy spiders. Decoy spiders. Triggering my doomsday prepper. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Thing done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. And Dana, you have a last quiz segment for us, right? Yes. It's kind of a grab bag of fake imitation faux hoaxy imposter things. So get your buzzers ready. All right. Famous people who had this item include Winston Churchill, Clark Gable, Emma Watson, and George Washington. False teeth? Yes. Emma Watson lost her teeth while she was filming Harry Potter, so she had to get little fake teeth. Wow. I have fake teeth. I have one. Two. Why are you so I surprised? Feel left out. Yeah, I don't have I feel any smug. fake teeth. I'm at like, all. I don't have any oh, fake teeth. Yeah, have <laughs> no, I want a fake tooth. They have like hide stuff in there. <laughs> no, it's not like a little locket. Like, <laughs> like keys and things in there. <laughs> yeah. What would you Change. hide in a fake tooth? Well, that's still between me and my milk. fake tooth. <laughs> I don't know. If I ordered surimi in a restaurant, what would I be served? Surimi? In a Japanese restaurant. Can you spell it? Oh. Is, is that crab? Or uh, fake crab? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. oh, it specifically is the imitation crab? Yes. S-U-R-I-M-I, right? Yeah. 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 In the mid-90s, early 2000s, this author wrote the autobiographical novels Sarah and the Heart is Deceitful Above All Things about growing up as a truck stop prostitute. 
But this author was exposed as a fake in 2005 in New York Magazine oh, article. Oh, I remember this. Well, who was this? I remember when this happened. Ah, oh, frustrating. It's JT Leroy. Yes. And I have, a, I have a story about JT Leroy. Yes, that's that right. familiar. They were starting to get heat about being a hoax. They called one of my friends and offered to send a raccoon penis necklace to uh, her. Uh, Random penis bone necklace. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that <makes laughs> Not a live one. And I was like, wow, that is crazy. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I was a little oh, jealous. Just... In this. <laughs> really? Oh, really? Really? You want a raccoon penis bone? I guess you're raccoon penis. <laughs> I think it was like supposed to bring luck or something. <laughs> not, not for the raccoon. <laughs> not for JT Leroy either. Oh, no. Used a few more of those. Judd Apatow launched a fake sitcom on NBC.com to promote his film Funny People. Oh, oh, what was the name of the TV show, the fake sitcom? Yo Teach. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I thought it was real. That was in the movie. I didn't know that they did. They actually made a fake trailer. It was on Hulu too, and I watched it. I was like, "This show is horrible. <laughs> what is this?" That's funny. Yo Teach. Yeah. With Jason Schwartzman. This show stars Betty White and a cast of senior citizens pulling pranks on unsuspecting folks in Southern California. Oh, Karen. oh why do I know this? Off their rockers. Betty White's off their so, rockers. What? I, I need to see this show. It's a real show. Like, if you if you told me, I was like, oh, it sounds fake. No, it's Betty White and a bunch of um, sure funny is. old people pull pranks. I would watch that. I would yeah. watch that. My parents really enjoy that show a lot. All right, last one. It's tricky. It's a tongue twister for me. Let's see. Okay. All right. Take your time. Yeah. Polymethyl methacrylate acrylics are better known in beauty circles as what? Uh, Fake nails. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Go Karen. Fake nails. Oh. Have you ever had them before? No. They suck. Oh. Wait, they did, not do like they... Lee press on nails, but like oh, some serious like shit. the ones that they glue, they oh, change the chemical. Sure. Yeah. Comp- oh, oh. that's the worst. Yeah, yes. and there were like people getting infections and stuff, right? Wasn't that? There's was... just nothing but trouble. They're yeah. crazy business. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a lot of chemicals. I think like different yeah. different people have different reactions, and some people like right. react really it. badly. It. it takes a long time for your nails to recover when oh, you take yeah. them off. Yes, yeah. and they feel glamorous for the first year, the first little while. And then like, you're like, why did I do yeah. this? This is a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth it. No. Good job, you guys. <laughs> All right. And that is our show. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learn a lot about spying printers, uh, counterfeiting money, and robo bees. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. And check out our sponsor at bonobos.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.